Good morning, good morning, Cathedral Faith family. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Let's give God a praise, amen. You know, this is a season to be grateful. Coming from Thanksgiving, moving into Christmas, we have every reason to be grateful. And this morning, I wanna encourage you to let go and to let God. His word says that He will supply all our needs according to His riches and according to His glory. So let God, if you feel the thugging of the Holy Spirit, just know that He wants to touch you. He wants to bless you. He wants to supply that need. There is nothing impossible for our Lord. Amen. Let's lift up our hands and let's worship. Amen. Cathedral of Faith, somebody shout hallelujah this morning. Come on a little bit louder to the Father. Hallelujah. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Come on, let's worship Him. Put your hands together. this promise together. Can you sing it out, Cathedral? There's nothing gonna stop me now. With everything I'm gonna shout it out. I'll sing until the walls fall down. I'll sing until the walls fall down. There's nothing gonna stop me now. With everything I'm gonna shout it out. I'll sing until the walls fall down. I'll sing until the walls fall down.
Cathedral of Faith, God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. We are in the house of the Lord. We are in the presence of the Lord even now. Before we continue to offer worship, I want to just give us all an opportunity to extend our hands heavenward in this moment as we acknowledge the presence of our God. Father God, we thank you. And oh, how we need you, Father. So Father, as the sound of thanksgiving ascends to your ear, I pray that the presence of God would descend into our situations. Lord, I pray that you would be with us in a powerful way that would cause us to give you even more praise. So Father, hear the sound of a grateful people. Hear the sound of worship. Hear the sound of response, the sound of thanksgiving. We love you when we shout your praise in the sanctuary. And all of God's people shouted, amen and amen. One more time, can we put our hands together? you one more time put your hands in the air and sing this prayer with us
Yes, you will. Because you are the same. We sing it loud. Come on. You are the same. change
one more time before we move on. If there is some part of, some area of your life that you just say, God, I need your touch right here. Right here in this area, I need a touch. I just want to invite you to open your hands. God, you know what every hand represents. You know every reason why those hands went up into the air. So Holy Spirit, we call on you again. Thank you for being on call. Thank you for being at our service. God, I pray for the hearts of those that are gathered here. I pray for healing waters to wash over their souls right now. God, the holidays are not always happy days. There's some pain, there's some brokenness, there's some things that are out of place. There's some losses, there's some defeats. But Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and fill us again. God, I pray for salvation to fall in the room. I pray that there's a spirit of salvation to come over somebody today. God, I pray for a spirit of forgiveness to fall in the room, holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness, relational strains and issues and ties. I pray, Lord, that you would break us free, break us free, move us forward, make us a new creation. God, I pray for marriages in this place, Lord, that you would heal, that you would restore, that you would save. God, I pray for that person that feels so alone. God, we pray that they would discover the friendship of God. We also pray for relationships that you would bring faithful and true relationships into their lives. God, thank you so much for your spirit, for your outpouring. God, we thank you for your promise and we thank you for your presence. God, and I pray, Lord, that as this season represents, that we would just have this keen awareness that we are not alone. We can speak your name at any given moment, Father. We don't need to be physically in the church. We are the church. And I pray, Lord, that we would, we would learn to call upon the name of Jesus. So once again, Father, Holy Spirit, fall and fill this place. God, I pray that you would bind up every hurt, that you would heal every wound, that you would fulfill every desire. God, that you would receive all praise and all thanksgiving, and that in this moment, God, there would be a new sound of thanksgiving, not one that is contrived, but one that is authentically just an overflow of the experience that's taking place in our life, God. Lord, you've spoken your word, you've given your promise, and that is enough. That is the final say, and I pray that right now there's a new sound of thanksgiving, there's a new sound of celebration that comes from being on the other side of a breakthrough, that comes from being on the other side of you making a way, it comes on the other side of a healing, it comes on the other side of a salvation. God, I pray that you would receive all of our praise in this moment, all of our thanksgiving, all of our worship, all of our focus, all of our adoration, all of our effort, all of our energy. God, you deserve it. You have earned it. You deserve this praise, God. You deserve this thanksgiving. So Father, right now, we begin to open our mouth and we say, thank you, Jesus. We say, thank you, Lord, because you are good. We say thank you, Lord. We say thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, Cathedral, give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. 
you have been so good to us. We have so much to be grateful for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You've been so good to us. Oh, Cathedral of Faith, God is good. And all the time. It's so good to see you, whether you're on site, here in the building, out in the amphitheater, those in the drive-in, and those who are watching online. We love our online community. You know, we've come to celebrate, to focus our hearts on God, and we have so much to be thankful for. Psalm 107 says this. It says, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So much to be thankful for. So much. Wow. And I want to take a moment. And, you know, once a month we have what's known as Worship Together Weekend, where our youth joins us for worship. And isn't it great to have the youth helping to lead worship this weekend with Pastor Vaughn and Irene? And I also want to say, you know, Pastor Yusin Esther, what a blessing it is to have all the way from Amsterdam. It's her first time to California. Welcome. Actually, second time to California. Pastor Yusuf's mom and brother are here today. Yeah, welcome. Good to have you here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, this is Cathedral of Faith where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, where the love is lived out, and where absolutely anything is because we serve an amazing God. So before you're seated, tell somebody, hope is in the house today. Go ahead and do that. Hope is in the house. Step into it. Amen. Hey, bro, a lot of exciting things coming up this Christmas season here at Cathedral. That's right. We have a love and joy-filled Christmas season ahead. Uh, every Sunday, there's going to be something unique happening, not only in the service, but in the lobby, in the chapel. We're going to have bagpipers, drum lines. Steve Crawford from Lakewood Church will be with us one weekend. We've got lots of incredible things. Don't miss next Sunday, we have for the very first time, world-renowned astronomer David Brock is going to be with us. So look, he has a multimedia presentation, be looking at God's beautiful creation and looking at the science behind the Christmas star. So don't miss it next Sunday with David Brock. As a matter of fact, on your way out, you can get one of these invite cards to invite someone with you on this Christmas journey. How many have someone in their life that needs to experience the love of God? Amen. We all do. Be a great time to invite them, plan to not only come to service, but hang out after. We have wonderful things that are happening. And then we have lots of ways we're going to be being a blessing this Christmas season. Lots of ways. Let me just highlight three of those real quickly. Next Saturday, we are partnering with the Vietnamese Realtors Association Group. We're going to be in the gymnasium at our Family Life Center, and we're going to be packaging over 150,000 meals to send overseas. It's a great opportunity to come out. I'll be there 9 a.m. it starts. 9 a.m. in the gym. Turn to someone next to you. 9 a.m. in the gym. Right over here, two buildings over. Hope you can join us. And then, of course, our toy drive is underway. And if your family is struggling, needs some help, we want to be a blessing to your family. You can, this is the last Sunday to register for a toy voucher. And Pastor Houston Esther are heading that up. They're going to be back at the kiosk uh, right after service where you can register for your toys. And then thanks to all the folks that have brought new toys in, whether you come on Sunday or bring them during the week, we're going to have our big toy giveaway coming up on Sunday, December 18th. And then finally, our big celebration of love food giveaways happening Friday, December 23rd. Uh, during the month of December, we're going to be giving out 4,000 cards 
of groceries and turkeys and chickens. And if your family, again, is struggling, you can register for your voucher today at the kiosk in the lobby. But I want to encourage you, be sure and download our Cathedral Faith app. It will help you give you all the details of what's happening here at Cathedral. Yeah, Kurt, thank you. It's so exciting. I'm so excited about this Christmas season. I mean, Dr. Wayne and my daughter Lauren are turning the chapel into mini Bethlehem where you'll be able to go in and have an interactive experience. And every weekend in the lobby, the Christmas village is going to come alive. So we are really excited. It's a great time to invite a friend, unchurched family member, invite them this season. And let's believe that God is going to meet them in this moment. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to say thank you to our cathedral family for your faithfulness and your giving how week after week, because of your giving, we're able to do what we do, both here in the Bay Area and around the world. And then during this season, every Christmas, we ask you to go above and beyond. It's $30 to sponsor this grocery cart full of food or $30 to sponsor a toy bag for a family. And we're asking, we need about $60,000 as our target. And so we're asking, If you would pray about going above and beyond, I know that we go through different seasons of life. Sometimes we're in a season of abundance. And if you're in that kind of season, you might be able to sponsor one cart or maybe 10 carts or maybe a thousand carts or a hundred carts or a thousand carts that God has blessed you in that way. But maybe right now, dealing with inflation and layoffs and all that stuff. It's just a really tough season. Sometimes we give out of our need. The Bible puts it this way. I'm gonna plant a seed out of my need, amen? And I believe whenever I plant a seed, I'm gonna see a harvest. So if you consider doing that one way or the other, uh, we encourage you, you can go to the app, the, uh, there's lots of ways to give, and there's a place, Christmas offering, right there, and you can register to sponsor a basket or a, a bag of toys. Um, and then there's a scripture in Proverbs that says this. It says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. God is true to his word, We know God cares about the poor. And when you take on the heart of God this Christmas and sponsor a basket to help someone who's struggling, boy, the heart of God is with you and for you. So um, as we prepare to receive communion, I'm gonna invite you to stand one more time. And the worship team who always, week after week, kind of centers our hearts. I'm so grateful to have a moment where my heart is recentered upon God and his goodness. They're coming right now to share a song about the goodness of God, and I encourage you to celebrate his goodness as we prepare for the Lord's table. Amen. God is good. All and all the time. If you believe it, come on one more time, put your hands together. Somebody shout hallelujah. Can't count the times I've called your name some broken night And you showed up and patched me up like you do every time I get amnesia I forget that you keep coming around You ain't no way you'll ever let me down Good God Tell me, is he good? Say, he's good. Tell me, is he God? He's God. He is good God Almighty. You say your love goes on forever, that your mercy never stops. So why would I assume you'd be somebody that you're not? Like sun in the morning, I know you're gonna be there every day. What on earth could make me be afraid? Woo! Good God Almighty! 
Tell me, is he good? Say, he's good. Tell me, is he God? He's God. He is good God Almighty. Come on, y'all. Say, yeah, praise him in the morning, praise him in the noontime, praise him when the sun goes down. Hey, love him in the morning, love him in the noontime, love him when the sun goes down. Good God Almighty. I hope you. come to the table, this represents who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. Let's celebrate his goodness. Thank you, Jesus, for this bread which represents your body. And as we eat today, we receive your goodness by faith. Let's eat of the bread of Christ. Jesus, thank you for your blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. You gave your life so that we could have life, meaningful life, satisfying life. And as we drink, we drink in of your goodness today. Let's drink of the cup of Christ. And now I invite you to say the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. It's the most important prayer we'll ever pray. Mean it with all your heart today. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and forever. Amen. Can we give him praise one more time? Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for your goodness today. Oh, we have a lot to be thankful for. Amen? Amen. You can be seated. Pastor Mike is coming to wrap up our series on the Ten Commandments. They're known as the Ten Commandments, but they could really be called Ten Steps to the Good Life because it's the love of God that gives us a law of God so we can experience the liberty of God. Can someone say amen? So Pastor Mike is coming to wrap up this series. Would you give him a great big welcome as he comes? Yeah. Good morning, church. Thank you so much for being here. I just need you to clap one more time. Wait, wait, no, wait, wait till I tell you what it's about. Thanks for that energy. God gave Pastor Ken wisdom on the Ten Commandments that he's brought us this whole series, and he was able to put them in a way that we would grasp them for the New Testament saints and understand them, called the Ten Guidelines for a Better Life. Can we thank God for what he gave, Pastor? <clears throat> so I get to close it up, and today I want to talk to you about the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet. Covet is not a word that we recognize today. It's not a word that we use, but this is what the scripture tells us. But I'm going to take you from coveting to contentment. That's where we're going to wind up with contentment. 
Our scripture for today is Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. And that verse says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is what the word of the Lord says. So we ask ourselves, what does it mean to covet? To covet comes from a Hebrew word, hamad, and it means, it refers to an unreasonable, ungoverned, selfish desire. None of us ever have them, but we know people that do. <laughs> it means that I think of myself and what I can get. It comes from a Greek word which means grasping for more. So it has to do with a dissatisfaction with what I have. There has to be more. Positively, it simply means a strong desire, or it could be delight, or precious, or desirable. But negatively, it's a strong desire for something I have no right to have. That's not mine, but I want it. To covet is characterizing as need what God calls greed. God calls it greed, I call it need. Who's going to win that argument? So as the sixth, seventh, and eighth commandments forbid us to injure our neighbor, indeed, the ninth forbids us to injure him in word and the tenth in thought. And that was so exciting about this tenth commandment because Jesus used this same frame of mind when he gave us the two greatest commandments in the New Testament, to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus took what was put here in this 10th commandment having to do with thought, where he said, if you're angry with a man, you've already committed murder in your heart. If you even look on a woman to last lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So Jesus is getting us to concentrate on the internal, no longer the external. We can change our bad ways, but how many know God knows what we're really thinking? Mm-hmm, somebody say, mm-hmm. No human eye can see the coveting heart. It is witnessed only by him who possesses it and by him to whom all things are naked and open. So no one can know what you're thinking, just you and God. That really humbles me. He knows what I'm thinking. In fact, they say that he knows what I'm thinking before I even think it. So nothing is hidden from him. But this type of uh, understanding is the root of all sins of word or deed against our neighbor. Not what we do to our neighbor, but what I think I want to do or what I'm thinking of doing. We are being commanded not to covet. That's what God is saying in the Old Testament. And here the Mosaic Law takes a step enormously in advance of any other ancient code because most codes stop short at the deed. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. A few went on to words, but not one attempted to control thoughts. Thou shalt not covet teaches men that there is one who sees the heart, to whose eyes all things are naked and open. And who cares far less for the outward act than the inward thought or motive from which the act proceeds? You see, you say, Pastor, that's all really good, but I still haven't grasped what coveting is. A woman walked into a pharmacy and she asked to purchase some cyanide. And the pharmacist replied, I cannot fill something like that. What are you going to do with it anyway? The woman replies, I'm going to kill my husband. And he says, hey, if I sold you cyanide, I would be considered an accessory to murder. I just cannot do that. What'd your husband do anyway? The woman shows him a picture of her husband having an affair with the pharmacist's wife. <laughs> and the pharmacist says, why didn't you tell me you had a prescription? <laughs> Everyone, place your finger on your forehead. Thank you for doing that. Just hold it there. Okay, that's your mind. 
No one can put anything in your mind. You control the thoughts that you have. You and I, I control mine, you control yours. But that's your mind, okay? Now put them fingers down. Now just look at somebody and say it this way. Say this to them. What were you thinking? <laughs> and when we've run or encountered situations where people have done things that they shouldn't have, and we go, we step back and go, well, what were you thinking? Or obviously you weren't. <laughs> we are not slaves of our natural desires. I can't help it and passions. But we have a controlling power implanted within us by means of which we can keep down passion. We can check desire. We can resist impulse. Man and woman, you are Lord of yourself, capable by the exercise of your free will of molding your feelings, weakening or intensifying your passions, shaping your character. And God, who requires truth in the inward parts, looks that we should in all cases go to the root of the matter and not be content with restraining ourselves from evil acts. Don't do that. That's not the problem. Evil words, that's not the problem. But eradicate the evil feeling from which the acts and the words proceed. It started there. And no one knows what you're thinking, but those thoughts take on life when they become actions. Then everyone knows what you're thinking. And then we don't understand why you would do that. That's why we say, well, what were you thinking? You know that's not yours. You know you can't just do that. So we're looking then at forbidden thoughts. At times, this commandment is abbreviated to you shall not covet. But in that point, it misses the point. There's nothing wrong with wanting. There's nothing wrong with wanting a good reputation. There's nothing wrong with wanting new shoes. Can I hear an amen from the ladies? <laughs> Guys, I guess they don't want new shoes. I'll try it again. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with wanting a good reputation. There's nothing wrong with wanting new shoes. Can I hear an amen from the ladies? Amen. Okay. There's nothing wrong with even wanting a wife. See how quiet it got in here? <laughs> what is wrong is wanting anything that belongs to your neighbor. If your neighbor has something good, you should be happy about it. You would not take it from him if you could. You may long for many good things, but not that thing. There's a man who wrote a book called God's Blueprint for Living. His name is David Siemens, and he says... Covetousness is a mirage that produces wretchedness because it fixes our gaze on something we do not have so that we don't praise God for what we do have. You see what the problem is? When I take you to, thank you for that one clap. <laughs> when, I, when I take you to the antithesis of coveting, which is contentment, we understand that's the problem. We don't praise God for what we do have. We feel God has not taken care of us well enough. And so we're going to take it for ourselves. In Leviticus 19.18, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And not, he wasn't asked. He was asked this in the New Testament. But it's stated in Leviticus 19.18, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus says, to love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And the second is like that, he said, to love your neighbor as yourself. All the commandments concerning relations with others are summed up in this verse because if I really do that, I won't harm my neighbor. I won't steal from him. I will not violate his relationship with his wife, nor will I lie about him. And I will not feel bad because my neighbor has a better house than I have. I will rejoice in his blessings as much as I would if those blessings were mine. But if your desires for things which you don't have are ruling your life, you know how we do when we go to a party and she walks in? Oh, she thinks she looks good in that dress. It's a little tight on her, don't you think? If you're obsessing over things that other people have that you don't have, 
He probably doesn't even know how to drive a car like that. What's he doing with that? If you're finding yourself willing to do things you know are sinful in order to satisfy your desires for things you don't have, then you've moved into covetousness and now you're in dangerous territory. But what is the antithesis for covetousness? What is the total opposite of covetousness? It's contentment. Say that with me. Say it again. Contentment is realizing that God has already given me everything I need for my present and my future happiness. Wow. Go ahead. We have to we have to actually sit and ponder that for a moment to reflect upon it. Selah, remember that Dr. Wayne Selah. Meditate upon that. That God has already given me everything I need for my present and my future happiness. So the woman I'm married to, yeah, God gave me that. The man I'm married to, God gave me that for my present and future happiness. So when I say, I'm not content with what God gave me, now I want another woman, or I want another man, or I don't like these children, or I don't like this, or I don't like that. (laughs) Hebrews 13.5 says, be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Go ahead. But contentment is contrary to human nature, and it must be learned. How do I learn contentment? We long for a better environment in which to live for ourselves and our our children, assuming that with it we will achieve contentment. If I just live there, or if I just had that. Yet Adam and Eve had the perfect environment and they weren't content in it. They had perfect health. There was no sickness. He had the perfect wife. There was no other woman. So he couldn't compare. She had the perfect husband, so she couldn't complain. Why can't you be like her husband? They had daily fellowship with God, and they lived in a beautiful garden, yet they soon believed the lie that God had not provided everything they needed for their present and their future happiness. Let's look at this first. Jerry Bridges, the author of Pursuit of Holiness, says, and I quote, the first, very first temptation in the history of mankind was a temptation to be discontent. That is exactly what discontentment is, a questioning of the goodness of God. You see, that's the danger. That's the dangerous territory we're walking in when we start complaining, we start whining. We're not happy with what we have. It's saying, God, you're not good and you don't do a good job. So I'll take it from here. If Adam and Eve were not content in the Garden of Eden, what hope is there for the rest of us? apart from the spiritual insight that comes from God. So let's look at it now from a perspective of being married. In a marriage, when either partner in a marriage becomes self-sufficient, the love relationship is damaged because joy and grace come from giving and from receiving. Self-sufficiency says, I no longer need you. What am I supposed to do? I don't know, go leave. I have everything I need, and I can take it from here. When you become independent instead of God-dependent, there is where the danger is creeping in. The temptation of Adam and Eve was not simply to taste some forbidden fruit, but to be self-sufficient and no longer need God. So when a temptation to do wrong and disobey one of the Ten Commandments comes to you, the decision is not centered on the act of what you're going to do, but it's the fact that God has not taken care of you, so you want to take over. That's becoming self-sufficient. We were never meant to be self-sufficient. This is why we learn to give to God, to become dependent upon God for everything, because we trust him. 
The subtle serpent told them that if you eat the fruit, you would be as gods, and you would be able to decide for yourselves good and evil. And the book of Romans says, God wanted us to be ignorant concerning evil and wise concerning good. You know, originally, if we were this way and somebody told us a dirty joke, we'd say, uh, I don't get it. Because we would be ignorant concerning evil. But consider how much is coming at us daily through the internet and through the media that's getting into our mind. So contentment then requires distinguishing between needs and wants. Do I really need this or do I just want it? Distinguish and know the difference. When we expect from possessions or people what only God can give, we turn those things into idols and we become guilty of idolatry. Idolatry is trusting people or possessions to do for me what only God can do for me. For example, if we expect security from money, we make money an idol because only God can give security. Money cannot. So why are we expending so much energy to pursue money? Likewise, if we expect fulfillment from wealth or expensive possessions, we make them idols. We expect them to do for us what only God can do for us. You know, there is a statement by Blaise Pascal, and it goes this way. There is a God-shaped place in the heart of every person, and only God can fill it. If you were like Pastor Mike, pre-salvation, I was plugging into this, hoping to get satiated or filled, plugging into that, plugging into that. It wasn't until I plugged into the Lord Jesus Christ that my life changed and the peace came towards me. Come on. <clears throat> but just so that I don't want you to walk out today and feel, well, you know, uh, okay, I'm not going to covet. Let me break it down for you so you actually understand what Satan is doing to you and to me when we do covet. Watch these things. Coveting is desiring what belongs to another. That's jealousy. We're not supposed to have jealousy. You can't even hide jealousy. People go, what are you, jealous? You can't hide it. It just shows on your face and your eyes. So that's jealousy. We then choose to disobey God and criticize him for not making us happy, so we go and take what he's not given to us, that's stealing. You started out with jealousy, now went to stealing. Now we experience fear, that's a third thing, afraid that someone is now going to take it from us. Jealousy and fear, they're not condemnations. They're indications that we're doing what God does not want us to do. They show that we do not have peace. And did he not say, peace, I give you. Peace, I leave you. Not the type of peace the world gives, give I unto you. And the pastor will say, in the name of Jesus, receive you that peace that passes all understanding. What we're really looking for is God's peace. We just try to find it in things that cannot provide it for us. So what are we left with instead of peace? Jealousy, which leads to anger, fear. And God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. And then taking what doesn't belong to us, that's stealing. 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God has not given us that spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. The Greek word for sound mind is sophronismos, and it actually means self-control. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. But self cannot be controlled. So how do you put self under control? You don't put self under control. You willingly submit to God and put self under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. Come on. So here comes this wanton desire for something that God hasn't given to me that I want to take. Holy Spirit. 
This, he already knows it, so you're saying, I just want to let you know that I know that you already know I'm about to do something. So, Holy Spirit, replace this in me with your peace. It's submitting to his authority, his control, letting the Holy Spirit of God control you. For there's only two that will control you, Satan or the Holy Spirit. No, 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 I, I just want to be neutral. There is no neutrality. You either submit to God, and is that not why you're here? Or you submit to Satan, and is he not the one you want to get away from? But listen to this statement. If you get anything today, take this from me. Do not take what God has not given to you. Don't take it. Go ahead. Thank you. Here's what they say to me. Come on, Pastor, you don't think she's fine? <laughs> you know she is. And I can't deny it, and I look at her and I go, yeah, she's fine, but she's not mine. Everybody say, mm-hmm. She's not mine. God hasn't given me that, so I have no right to have it. And if I go and take it, now I'm rejecting God, and I'm blaming him. Well, if I had that, I'd be happy. So I'm saying, you aren't able to make me happy. That would make me happy. Really, bro? <laughs> Don't take what God has not given to you. But if God gives it to you, and you clap on this, because my notes say right here, they will clap. <laughs> if God gives it to you, there is no fear or jealousy, for no one can take it from you. No one. Now, I, I, I'm aware and I realize the society and the culture we live in, and we have to have alarms and, and gates and dogs and all that to protect us. But if God has given it to you, no one can take it from you. Now, I know you can debate. Okay, 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 big pastor man. What if somebody does break in and take it? Well, it wasn't mine in the first place. It's God's. And if God wants them to have his car, let him take it. God can give me another car. I don't have to worry. So instead of getting attached to things, <laughs> you get closer to the one that created you and you trust him. So do you believe that God has given you all that you need? One amen. Do you believe that God has given you all that you need? Yes. All right. How much time then do you spend enjoying what God has given to you? That woman that you're married to? That husband? Those children? Your health? If you look at the things God has given to you, and you thank him for those things, God will let you learn quickly. You can never outgive me. I, if you honor me and you trust me, I will bless you again. Pretty soon, trust me on this. You will have to say, God, I have enough. You see, if God, and I know some of you are going, yeah, come on, bro. <laughs> if God has given you a blessing, it's not always for you. It's so that you would bless others who are less fortunate than you. And when you do that, it says, whoever gives to the poor lends to the Lord. God sees that. And God will say, and you say, well, how come they are always blessed by God and I'm not? Well, one of the reasons is because you have become a reservoir. Everything you get, it's mine. You store it up. They become a channel, and everything God gives them, they give away. And God says, I know the more I give them, the more they will give away. So then people who do not have realize, why are you doing this? God told me you needed it. God bless you. Wow. And don't, don't you want to be around people that have peace? Watch my face. No one will look at a woman who looks like this. 
<laughs> they know already she's not happy. <laughs> and there's nothing I can do to make her happy. But everyone will look at a woman that's like this. Well, good night. She's already happy. She doesn't need me to make her happy. I need you to please stand with me. And there's a scripture up on the large screen. And I need you to say this out loud with me because this is what you have learned today. And this from the Old Testament is now shown in the New Testament. Let's say it. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Go ahead, give him a hand of praise. <clears throat> and that is how you go from covetousness to contentment. Learning how to rejoice in whatever you have, not quantifying what you have as if you feel you deserve more. But let me help you in that because Wall Street, its sole purpose is to convince you that you don't have enough. And the media and the internet is doing that. For not only can you get something you want, but you can get it today. It'll be at your house today. And they know how to do that. And then you get it and you open it up. Why, why did I even get this? It's not really what I expected it to do. I want you to be blessed. This church wants you to be blessed. Pastor Ken and the entire staff and the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to be blessed. Bow your heads. May the Lord bless you and keep you and be gracious toward you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and may he give you his peace. May he bless your family. May he bless your children and your children's children. May he bless your health and your home and your job. And may you come to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, nothing in this world can satisfy you like God can, and no one in this world can take the place of God in your life. You are loved, and you are blessed. Amen.